It feels like we're all being told to go on this diet, take that supplement. Ozempic will give you depression, but you know what'll cure that? Weed. Or you could try to balance your hormones. At Science Versus, we're like, what the f*** is going on? Forget the crap online and listen to Science Versus. Just the facts. Oh, and a bunch of stupid jokes. What is a ghost's favorite fruit? Booberries. That's Science VS. New season out on Spotify soon. Today is Saturday, February 1st, 2020. On this day in 1910, Dr. Holly Crippen murdered his wife, Cora, in their North London home. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Due to the graphic nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. Extreme caution is advised for listeners under 13. Today we're covering the murder of Cora Crippen, the wife of homeopathic Dr. Holly Crippen. Let's go back to London, England in the early hours of February 1st, 1910. Forty-seven-year-old Dr. Holly Harvey Crippen was more than ready for his guests to leave. The dinner party he and his wife had hosted for their friends, the Martinettis, was winding down on a sour note. Though it was mostly a festive evening at their 39 Hilldrop Crescent address in London, the strain of the Crippens' broken marriage had poked through as the night neared a close. Paul Martinetti's simple inquiry of where the bathroom was launched Cora and Holly into a fierce, bickering spat. Cora always found something to berate her husband about, and his failure to escort Paul to the restroom was no different. Following the incident, the Martinetti couple departed from the Crippen home at around 1 a.m. Clara Martinetti embraced Cora on the way out, she knew it was best to leave her and her estranged husband to their quarrels. The Crippens certainly didn't run short on bones to pick with each other. Cora had a habit of parading around town with various younger men on her arm. She let it be known that she and the doctor were no longer interested in any type of intimacy, mental or physical, with each other. In fact, Holly was engaged in an affair with his typist. Cora instead turned her affections to her career as she tried to find her big break as a singer under the stage name Belle Elmore. But her time in London, which she so desperately hoped would bring success, had been dry. The opera was a pipe dream. Before their marriage grew completely hostile, Dr. Crippen had tried to help his wife taking up the reins as her stage manager, but he was vastly unqualified to guide her singing career, and by taking on this second role for Cora, it caused him to scrimp on his work for the homeopathic medicine company that employed him. Eventually, both careers failed. Cora was forever in the shadows, and Crippen himself was fired from the pharmaceutical company. This left the couple in a precarious situation financially, Dr. Crippen's medical credentials weren't sufficient enough for him to work as a doctor in England, and Cora wasn't keen to hold down any job that wasn't singing. So finally, they decided to take on renters to offset some of the cost. 
but more house guests proved to be a disastrous idea. Dr. Crippen hadn't anticipated Cora would be so bold as to have an affair with a boarder in their own home. When he found the two in bed one day, he was disgusted. The usually docile doctor had reached his limit. He'd worked hard to control his temper and stay on the side of civility, but his wife's choice to make her personal business very public changed something in Dr. Crippen. He'd supported her for years, and still she treated him with servile tolerance. Cora had no reservations about threatening to take a portion of her husband's life savings and leave. She claimed she had nothing to lose. The night of the dinner party, the doctor felt his blood boiling as he closed the door after the Martinettis. He was tired of being accosted by his wife. Their marriage was slowly dying, bled dry by 1,000 cuts. Enough was enough. As Cora slunked off to bed, she knew nothing of the small vial of hyacinth that her husband had purchased two weeks earlier. No amount of I'm sorry's would take back the poison running its course through Cora's veins. Coming up, Dr. Holly Crippen buries his wife in the cellar and invites his mistress to move in. Now back to the story. By February of 1910, 47-year-old American doctor Holly Crippen had been living abroad in London with his wife Cora for nearly 13 years. But the couple had grown cold towards each other as their respective careers floundered. Cora was a wannabe lounge singer, and Dr. Crippen was working as a manager at a facility for the deaf. His American homeopathic credentials weren't adequate for him to practice as a doctor in England. But it wasn't Cora's failed career that finally pushed her husband over the edge. It was her condescending attitude and numerous affairs. It's believed that Dr. Crippen poisoned his wife after friends left a dinner party at their North London home. No one ever saw Cora Crippen alive after the early hours of February 1st. Naturally, Cora's socialite friends noticed her absence. When Dr. Holly was asked where his wife went, he lamented that Cora had finally up and left him to go back to America. But as the days passed and still no word came from Cora saying she had passed safely over the Atlantic, suspicions grew and the doctor's story kept changing. He told callers for Cora that she'd fallen ill and later that she'd died. Months passed without any clarity on what had happened to the socialite and shockingly, neighbors noticed a woman going in and out of Hilldrop Crescent in Cora's clothing. Dr. Crippen had invited Ethel Leneve Neve, his young mistress, to live with him permanently. When authorities finally came to question Dr. Crippen in July of 1910, six months after Cora's disappearance, he changed his story yet again saying that Cora had left him for another man in America. His demeanor was hat in hand. He claimed he'd avoided telling the truth before 
because he was ashamed by the nature of his wife's departure. Police inspector Walter Dew insisted on searching Crippen's home, but upon finding no damning evidence, he was satisfied with the explanation. Still, Dr. Crippen was spooked. He thought the inspector would return for him, so he decided to flee. The next day, Crippen and Ethel Leneve made a beeline for a transatlantic steamship, the SS Montrose, bound for Canada. His mistress disguised herself in men's clothing for the entire passage, and the two masqueraded as a father and son. But the facade was odd. Not long into the voyage, the SS Montrose's captain watched the pair with interest. And back in London, Inspector Dew returned to Hilldrop Crescent to find the house empty. The sudden departure piqued his suspicion, and a second search of Dr. Crippen's home uncovered a ghastly update. A woman's torso was buried under the brick floor of Dr. Crippen's cellar. However, the head, limbs, and all the bones from the trunk were missing. An examination of the body indicated traces of poison. The inspector put out a call to find Crippen at all costs. The doctor and his mistress were identified aboard the SS Montrose soon after. The ship's captain wired an update back to Scotland Yard that Crippen was trying to sneak away to Canada. After being extradited back to London, Canada in 1910 was still under British imperial rule, both Dr. Crippen and Ethel were tried in court. Over the course of a four-day trial in mid-October of 1910, Forensic pathologist Bernard Spilsbury provided evidence that the remains of the female torso were Cora's. He matched a scar on the body to one Cora had on her abdomen after ovarian surgery. In addition, the remains contained hyacine, the poison Dr. Crippen had purchased two weeks before his wife's untimely disappearance. On October 22, 1920, it took a jury at London's Central Criminal Court just a half hour to arrive at their verdict. Dr. Crippen was guilty. His mistress, Ethel Leneve, was acquitted. For his crimes, Crippen was sentenced to hang. One month later, on November 23rd, he met his fate at Pentonville Prison at the age of 48. Crippen's name would go down in British history as a grisly tale fit to pass on to new generations. His figure was even constructed in wax for Madame Tussauds Museum. But with each new era that ogled at the notorious Holly Crippen, more doubt came to light. Modern forensic scientists are undecided that the torso found in the cellar was actually Cora's. In 2007, a biologist at Michigan State University compared the DNA tissue to descendants of Cora Crippen. It didn't match. Paired with the psychological evidence that murderers who kill with poison rarely mutilate, as the doctor did by dismembering the body, the social jury was out on whether Holly Crippen was the nefarious killer he'd been painted as. But in 2009, 
Britain's Criminal Cases Review Commission still dismissed sending the case to an appellate court for a pardon. Legally, it remains that the doctor murdered the singer and buried the evidence. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. For more stories like this, check out ParCast original, Crimes of Passion. Today in True Crime is a ParCast original. You can find more episodes of Today in True Crime and all other ParCast originals for free on Spotify. Not only does Spotify already have all of your favorite music, but now Spotify is making it easy for you to enjoy all of your favorite ParCast originals, like Today in True Crime, for free from your phone, desktop, or smart speaker. To stream Today in True Crime on Spotify, just open the app and type Today in True Crime in the search bar. At ParCast, we're grateful for you, our listeners. You allow us to do what we love. Let us know how we're doing. Reach out on Facebook and Instagram, at ParCast, and Twitter, at ParCast Network. We'll be back with a brand new episode tomorrow in True Crime. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Andy Waits, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Travis Clark. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Mackenzie Moore, with writing assistance by Maggie Admire. I'm Vanessa Richardson.